everyone. We have a real treat today. So as you know that we were in our fantasy season, and I know that we're dipping our toes into historicals now, but we want to flash back to a special, special book and a special interview. You guys, this book made the rounds on Instagram with like this great cover and just like that feeling that like sort of Viking vibes to all of the shirtlessness and the leather. And today we have the pleasure of talking with the author. So I want to welcome Mila to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, you guys, I want to tell you that she's a little nervous and I told her good care of her, so we're going to have a good time. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What'd you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Um, so one thing I think would be really interesting to know is why you write with a different pen name, because um, for those of you who don't know, she writes under two different names in two different genres. And I'd love to know, was that like something you came up with? Is that something the publisher thought would be a good idea? How did that all come about? No, it was something that I came up with and something that I had planned to do because um, I had been writing as Melging Brook and I wrote a series urban fantasy romance and uh, steampunk romance. And there was just a certain tone to them and a certain level of world building. And I knew that when I started going into the barbarian romance that it was going to be darker. Although there's a lot of like fun things that happen in there and I have a great time with the books, there is kind of a darker sense to the world. And so I didn't want my Mel Jean Brooke readers to go into these books thinking that they were exactly the same, that they were going to get the same kind of treatment to some of these Mm -hmm. terrible things that happen to people. So that's why I changed the name. It was mostly to give readers that heads up that this was something a little bit different, that they weren't going to get exactly what Mel Jean Brooke would give them. I think that makes sense because I've definitely read authors where I'm just like going through a back catalog and then you get to like a trilogy and you're like, whoa, I did not see that coming. I thought I was getting a light, fluffy read and we are in the depths now, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. And I I do think that there are a lot of things that are just my voice and my style, like the the deep world building and um, certain things that are the same. And so like, there's a lot of things that would cross over for a reader but there are some things that I just wanted to be like no read the content warnings first really you know make sure you really want to read these first because yeah I, w- I wouldn't want to you know just spring that on someone oh for sure yeah we were so your new book is coming out in October is that right actually they changed it to they say they changed it in my, um it, it's a longer book and so I took longer turning it in and so now it's coming out in January of 20. 22. Okay, great. So when we originally chose it a couple months ago, it was still scheduled for October, I think. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we were like, oh, this is the perfect time to read book two because everyone in the podcast world did book one. But so we we're like, well, we'll just do book two because like, we're just, that's just how cool we are. We were like, we'll just do book two and get ready for book three. And <laughs> I know. And I like to doing... talk about book two too. <laughs> yeah. Nice book. And, and then we we're doing our research and I was like, steampunk romance, how have I been sleeping on this? Because I love science fiction. I am newly enamored with historical romance and like that sort of Victorian. And it's like the perfect little blend of both. Yeah. I know. And I, I watched this semi-terrible show on Hulu um, called Meet Me in Paris. If you guys are ever looking for a real, real, real light and just silly, silly, <laughs> silly show like 20 minute episodes this girl 
it's from the past and she comes forward in time and there's steampunk timekeepers who are following her through time it is a banana show there's a lot of dancing and a really good romance in season one though so i was like let me fast forward through some parts and just get this romance um but when you're when you're coming up with all these different types of world building how do you do you like oh i have an idea for that world or do you have like a spark of the character like what's the first thing that comes about um sometimes it's kind of both um so like with my my guardian series i was actually writing like some justice league fan fiction of all things and then i thought you know what this would work better as a paranormal romance so i just you know completely changed everything but my my first book was you know kind of playing off probably had the strongest like leavings i guess of that original fanfic but i mean in that one a lot of the world building like referred to paradise lost or biblical you know stuff and so it wasn't necessarily that I was building that world um the steampunk it was more that I had um it was also a character um I don't know if you've read the books but the first one the Iron Duke featured this um detective heroine and I kind of wanted to imagine the world that she was in and so it kind of sprang up around that but I had already been thinking of steampunk in terms of I had been reading Neil Stevenson's The Diamond Age and a few other things. So I had already wanted to create kind of a steampunk world. And so they just fit together really well as kind of like a Sherlock Holmes type of thing at first. But I mean, that's not how it turned out at all. But, but you know, those, those kind of like ideas that you pull in of like, you know, these dark streets and, and things that happen and weird animals bursting out of the, out of the alleys. And, and then for the Millivane fantasy romance, it was just that um, I love, I love like 80s type of fantasy movies. I mean, I grew up on that stuff and mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to write my own like fantasy barbarian type of world. But, but of course, you know, I'm not in the 1980s anymore. So I thought in terms of like, what kind of heroine would be in there? And it always starts with a heroine for some reason. I. I just am a heroine-centric writer. So that's where it kind of, it's like kind of both. I, I know what I want to write. And then I think of like, what kind of person would live in there and like, what's going to be really difficult for her. Um, well, we were definitely enamored with the heroine and how she's just like a drunk badass. <laughs> and she's just like, my life's in shambles. You know what? I'm going to go to I'll be right back. It's cool. I'll protect you. I mean, yeah, that's like a great way to live in a barbarian world, right? Dinosaurs. Okay. Going to have my, going to have my liquor here. I'm just going to go kill something. I know. I frequently feel like I would do really well in that world just be like you know what all these people are bad people i'm just gonna go slaughter some fools i'll be right back <laughs> I, know. I know it's funny because there's like there's like something appealing about i mean as violent as it is there's something appealing about that kind of simplistic morality of these people are bad and these people are good i mean they might have like a lot of flaws but there's like a a difference between them and you know the bad ones just cut off their head i mean bye okay. <laughs> don't have to yeah. worry about them anymore yeah are you on the side of good or evil oh you're doing blood magic that's bad chop your head off <laughs> <laughs> um like i think it's really interesting that you write in what i would i would say are like sort of uh newer genres of romance so like you have obviously mm -hmm. written some in like the more traditional urban fantasy paranormal-ish space but like obviously steampunk is not like one of the big 
pillars and and fantasy romance has really been gaining steam in the last few years but did you initially set out thinking like oh I want to do those or the stories just come and you're like hey this fits why are um, people doing this? it's a little bit of both like I started reading romance really early and I had always also liked you know fairy tales and um like vampires and werewolves you know I would go to that part of the library and so in the 1990s I think it was I would you know when paranormal romance first kind of just started very slowly um, coming out then uh, and there were like a few lines of, of romance that um, you know it was like never enough and so I always thought I want more I want more and so oh man in 2005 when I started writing my paranormal romance it's funny because um, you know it didn't feel very established and there were quite a few paranormal romances but like I didn't know anybody else who was doing angel type romance or demon type romance in that same way that like explicitly referred to the Bible in that way or Milton actually, because I'm not like very, <laughs> very religious myself or anything. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, actually I had been in, in grad school and I was taking a class on Milton. And so that's where I intersected too. I'm very easily swayed by ideas from things around me. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that I thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, venture into somewhere that knew. It was more like that sense of, I want to read this type of romance and it's not out there yet. So obviously I've got to write it. And it's not that nobody else was doing steampunk. There were steampunk, like a few steampunk romances or, um, you know, but you don't necessarily, yeah, you don't necessarily see a lot of the things that I'm writing and that's specifically because for some reason my brain just goes to I'm going to fill in this is what I want to read and so I'm going to write it I mean I think that's that's great because I mean who doesn't want to you're going to spend so much time writing this book it should be something that you want to read right you're interested in you're like rereading it a hundred times as you're editing oh Um, yeah definitely So I know you've talked about this in other interviews, but I would love for you to tell the story about how you got published because I think it is such a like interesting and fun story. So um, let's see, I I was in grad school and I just had my baby and I was kind of in that position of, I knew I wanted to be a writer, but I also thought this is like not something that, you know, you can do. It's not it's like for other people and it's not, you're never going to be, be able to make a living at it. That's what everybody was talking about. And so I thought, you know what, it's either going to be this or accounting. So I was writing some fan fiction, Justice League fan fiction and specifically romances with Wonder Woman and Batman. And I was publishing them uh, on fanfiction.net. And then that's when I kind of, and at the same time, I don't know if you're familiar with like Alora's Cave. Mm-hmm. When that when that ebook publisher used to be okay, so when ebook publishing first started, there was this one big one called Alora's Cave, and um, quite a few other authors had kind of gotten their start there. Like they wrote some more erotic type of uh, stories, but a lot of more like the science fiction and the paranormal stuff that I had really liked. And um, a few of those had moved from Alora's Cave to Berkeley. Uh, under Cindy Huang, and I knew that um, she's the editor, the Cindy Huang at Berkeley. So I was kind of like hit this spot where I was like, I need to know if I can actually write a novel length romance and if I can do this. 
And so I did write one about Batman and Wonder Woman. And um, then I kind of started writing an original romance. The one I was telling you about, I, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this had originally started as Justice League fanfic, but then I was like, no, this is going to be a real one. And I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. And so I was starting writing that when I got an email from Cindy Huang and she's like, you know, I read your fan fiction online. She's like, do you have anything original to give me? And I was like, I do. <laughs> so, so I actually sent her the manuscript that I was working on. And she's like, mm, this isn't quite ready yet, but you know, why don't we kind of, she's like, I know you can write, I know you can finish a story. So why don't, why don't we do a novella? And so that was actually the first um, like story that she contracted with me was this novella. Because back in the day, if you were like a small author, that's what the publishers did. They put you in these anthologies with a short story so that people could, you know, get to know your name. And so I did the novella and then reworked the other book. And she was like, yep, let's do this. So, so that's my story. I was kind of like, this was... (laughs) This was back before fan fiction becoming books was like a normal thing. And um, sure. so, yeah, it was pretty out of the blue Cinderella type of publishing story where yeah. somebody had just come across my work online about Batman and Wonder Woman getting it on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yay. <laughs> I would read that fan fiction. That sounds nice. <laughs> they have a little simmering. There's a little simmering something going on in the comics. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, Shawnee and I both come from sort of like a YouTube post-production, like visual background as well. Have you thought about or been approached about having any of your books turned into like TV or movies? Or is there like one series in particular that you're like, this is the one that I think would do the best? Or look the best? Um, someone did buy the option for the Guardian series at one time, but it like, you know, like most options, they don't yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. Not since then. I. I think that steampunk would be amazing on the screen because that's the thing about steampunk. It's like in a, in book form, you know, there's a lot of very cool things about it, but the aesthetic when you get into visual form is just really stunning. (laughs) I mean, like all the different aspects of it that are mechanical, that look organic, that are just, and, and, not to mention like the clothes. I mean, they put the corsets on the outside. So it looks really, I mean, it looks cool. So um, yeah, I I think that would be really fun. Plus there's like a lot of adventure with it. So you get to see people like, you know, stabbing giant squid and killing Kraken and, um, and giant sharks and all kinds of things. It's a lot of fun. I mean, who doesn't like a giant shark? And of course the Barbarian series too. Who wouldn't love to see Barbarians on screen, right? just like strap strapping people male and female i know so what if they look a little smelly it's okay (laughs) like striding through winter but they're winter people so they don't need a lot of clothes (laughs) did you see speaking of a steampunk on screen did you see mortal engines no i didn't and um I, i it's one of those funny things when i'm writing something i don't read a lot in the same genre just because I don't want to have that in my head like I said you know I I pull in ideas from everywhere so I just don't want to have that in my head um I always intend to but then I have like one book in that series that I want to go back to and finish so I'm like holding off (laughs) so to make sure that so I haven't read very much steampunk since I started mine at all nice what what do you like tend to go towards if you're just gonna like pick up a romance and read what's your sort of go-to Lately, like novellas, just because I feel like I've been like really crunched for time. So things like Jessica Kane or, you know, just like that hot punch of 
like romance, like just, just it's very tropey romance as well. It's like they, there's yeah. this like central idea of, you know, he's the protector and she's the whatever, and they get together and it's that's it. And so it's very satisfying in that way. Um, I also like, I don't know if this is like from the pandemic or just because I feel like the last year has been a rough year for I think everybody. And so I have like these comfort reads and one of them is definitely like Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. Um, so I'll read like a lot of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction, the talking, published ones. You're talking ones. Games language right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I just love that. And I, I feel like I should get tired of it, but I think it's that comfort factor of mm -hmm. these are very familiar characters and you read them in all kinds of different stories, but. Mm -hmm. I watch the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice when I'm having a bad day because the music yes. like. This first, the first little piano, doo, 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 and like, yeah. oh, my heart is, I'm happy now. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why romance is so popular and why I wish, like, I wish people didn't look down upon the fact that, like, oh, yeah, well, I know it's going to be a happily ever after. That isn't obviously, like, there's still a great book in there, but I find such great yeah. comfort because sometimes when I read a book that's not in the romance genre I'm like oh I don't know if I'm ready to sign up for something that might be sad because like this last year has been stressful and sad and all this stuff same with like movies and tv I, I find myself re-watching a lot of my old favorites versus mm -hmm. normally I would watch like new movies constantly new tv constantly because I just love to consume content but um lately I've just been like let me re-watch my favorite tv show that I already know how it all ends and I could skip the episodes I know I don't want to watch and I could fast forward through the parts I don't care about anymore I already know it's going to end in blissful love and, and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, I don't know. It's really important too, that you can have that to rely on when there's like so much else going on that you have no control over. And so you have this and you know how it's going to be. And so there is something that's yeah. so nice about that yeah. to have that happen that way. Yeah. So yeah, there's like, it's so soothing and non-stressful and I could just like, mm -hmm. my heart can just like be so like happy and squee so hard because I'm like, and I know even if there's a little problem, everything's be okay at the end. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that like, you know, with the happy ever after with romance that does happen. But when you read like new romances, you are always taking that chance of encountering something that you don't necessarily want to like, for me, you know, I think everybody has those like hard lines in romance. And for me, it's like cheating or something. And so if I run across a book that has cheating, then I'm like viscerally sick for like a few days. And I don't want that right now. So there's, there is that sense of, I know what I'm going to get. And it's not that I, oh, it just drives me crazy when I, you know, see people like, oh, so you, you won't, you know, you don't have the the stomach for it to take a chance it's like it's not that it's that I want to take care of myself at this point mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to go out and encounter something that I know is just going to add to my stress or or whatever you know what I love is like a, a thing that's really come up in the last like a couple years is how much more content warnings are being put on books like in the preface like, I'm like, don't bury that stuff at the end. Like, I want to know up front. It doesn't mean I'm not going to read your book. I just want to be prepared mentally. Like, Talia Hibbert, I feel like, is one of the, the best because she um, self-publishes a lot of her books. And, like, first page, it's, like, content warning. And it says, like, no cheating, you know, like, through, like, and she explains exactly, like, what happens, which triggers might be there, like, mental health stuff, like, all kinds of stuff. 
Um, and I appreciate that because then at least you know, because we've been fooled a few times on the podcast where we've seen some like illustrated covers and we're like, ooh, a light rom-com. And then we get into it and we're like, ooh, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. Like this book was oh. not what we were ready for. So I think it's great. Oh yeah. I think that's especially true with how I think covers nowadays, I'm sure you guys have spoken about this then, but it is so hard now with the illustrated covers to tell what is the heat level, what is the, like a grief level, I guess. Um, or yeah, all those warnings that you would think are conveyed by the tone of a cover or the tone of a blurb are not there at all. And so, yeah, I agree. It's, it, you do feel kind of fooled and then you get, you know, wary a little bit about getting something yeah. else that's similar. That's why I liked your books because I was like, I saw the front cover and I was like, okay, we're going to have some real like he man, like some alpha energy in these books. Okay, we're going to have some like clearly it's like rugged dress. Okay, we're not in like modern times. We're clearly in some sort of fantasy world. And I felt like I was delivered what I, and I also was like, ooh, he's got no, sh- mostly no shirt. I see most of his torso. There's going to be some spiciness in this book. <laughs> and I got all the things that, uh, that I wanted to get. Yeah. And speaking of spice level, let's talk about your books and like the writing of the sex scenes like how much sex is too much sex like to pull it back ever and and read your book and go ooh, that was maybe too much or like wait a minute I need to put some more in this like how does how does those those scenes come about you know that's hard to answer I would say it's purely based on the characters like I never think oh this only has like one or two sex scenes and so that's obviously not enough or like you know I'm just gonna well I missed that you know blowjob scene got to get one in there um <laughs> although no, no I wouldn't do that <laughs> but, um <laughs> you know I I do think that there are things that I expect in terms of escalating intimacy between characters but the way that that actually comes out between the characters is always completely different um like like the difference between book one and book two of of the Millivane series um in book one there's like this more antagonistic relationship between the hero and heroine and their first encounter is basically both of them it's it's a sexual encounter but it's they're trying to get the upper hand over each other mm-hmm. and he, you know, tells her, I want you to do this sexual act for me, which is, as is known online <laughs> as the bloody hand job. Um, and she does. But in that, in that act, she kind of turns the power dynamic around. And, and so ne- I wouldn't necessarily have had something that early, except that it was in their characters to do that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have had a hand job in it at all except that it was in their character to do that can I I was gonna say like maybe I'll google it later but the, obviously the people want to know our fans always want to know hello what is a bloody hand job and tell me more about it <laughs> oh god okay she's so, beat right and this is what I for when we interview authors <laughs> so this this is what I'm gonna this is probably gonna be written on my gravestone she wrote the bloody hand job um I feel like it's that that phrase has sold more books online than anything else because people are like what is a bloody hand job so in this i'm not i'll just i'll just preface this by saying this is a spoiler so 
my hero, when he goes after the heroine, he's intending to kill her because he thinks that she was involved in the murder of his parents. So she's on her way across, you know, a few realms um, with her brother because she's going to go marry some king. And so he's so the hero stops their carriage and the brother pulls her out of the carriage and he sees her for the first time. And then he's like, you know, give me the girl. I'm going to kill her because I have been told I can't kill you, the son. So while he's like sitting there intimidating the brother, she kills the brother and it's like, well, okay, why don't you just take me because I want to go with you anyway, because I hate my family. I want to kill them. And so they make a pact at that point where they're going to get married and they're going to go back and they're going to kill her, basically her entire family because they're evil. And, and so while her hands are still bloody with her brother's blood, she gives him a hand job and that kind of seals their pact. So if you were wondering what a bloody hand job is, you've just got to kill your brother. You just got to be ruthless. And you've got to be ruthless. You know, you've got to, which turns him on. And he's like, look, <laughs> you're the one who's killing brothers and getting me all hot and bothered. <laughs> I know. He was like, and then he's like, he's like, I'm going to leave your hands tied up because I don't trust you anymore either. But, you know, why don't you give me this hand job anyway? So that was kind of how they met. And yeah, that's amazing. That's the bloody hand job. But yeah, again, it's, it's all, it's all character and, and how they get together in their plot. Whereas like in the second book, it's kind of like a second chance romance mm -hmm. and my drunk angry heroine is just running away from him because she doesn't want to give him a chance even though you know she's very attracted to him and yet you know the first time they really like get together in a bath it's like you know all over the, each other because they can't help it so that's also a character thing too it's more it's not like oh wow I need a sex scene here it's more it's time we for talked about so. we talked about that scene in depth on the podcast you guys if you want to go back <laughs> you're welcome so one thing that we have is a running debate about when it's appropriate in sort of like an action adventure sort of type of story uh to have sex so mm -hmm. in my estimation literally any time is fine you have that one moment of solitude that's enough time to get a little clowning in shawnee is like no we need 24 hours we need a locked door we need safety and i'm like no 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 you don't need safety you need you need a moment of safety. And I feel like you're more on my side just based on the book that we read, but I want to hear, hear where you come down on this. Okay, so obviously I have to come down on grab that chance. But in this case, it's um, another aspect of the world building where they have one night, you know, where they can lose their virginity, basically. And so if they don't do it in that night, they have to wait a month. And yeah. so they don't want to wait a month. So as they're like running around being chased by this, evil stone wraith they're like mm -hmm. you know we've got a few seconds here let's just and they yeah. do yeah. so i don't know i think yeah i think when I you're a barbarian how, first of all that scene was super hot and very romantic and i was all about it but also i like that they were like practical about it and they're like this probably isn't gonna be the best sex we ever have but like all we need to do is penetrate so that tomorrow we can like bang like monkeys all day and tomorrow like, they're gonna the energy that I like, I was like, yes, obviously cannot wait another month. It's been too long. Yeah. And I think, I think that practical aspect too is, I mean, obviously we want sex to be romantic a lot of times in romance, but I think that it wouldn't be true to the world building all the time because these are a very earthy type of physical people. Right. And so they don't always are approach sex as like a romantic 
you know, light the flowers and candles, take some time. It's more like we're going to live or we're going to die. Let's just get it in right now. As I say, let's go to pound town. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas, you know, if, if I wrote contemporary romances or something, I might treat it entirely differently where there is more build up or, or something, you know, to like a, a single event. Yeah. One thing I really like about not being in contemporary romance is how much more leeway it gives you to have people of a lot of different um, personalities because you can be like, oh, but it's like the culture they were raised in or, oh, it's like, but they're a prince of whatever. And this is like the expectation of X, Y, Z. And I think that like for me as a reader too, it like, it relieves a lot of the burden of like, looking at it through like my actual life lens like in a contemporary when something like really annoying happens I'm like ugh, dump him <laughs> no. but in a historic or in like you know in a sort of fantasy world building situation you're like you can get it I, it's easier for me to be with that character as they go through that growth because they're coming from a completely different place Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that when you're writing, you you like feel more freedom being not in like a more real real life situation? Yes and and no. I think that you're you know I think you're spot on in very many ways in that you can accept things from fantasy characters that you cannot accept in in a like anything basically anything that happens yeah. between like the heroes a were- and heroes a werewolf alpha bonding mate where he just like meets her that day and has sex with her immediately and you're like well in real life no but in this right. book their souls are now bound together and i feel like it's fine <laughs> she's getting a good deal too it's cool right i mean the the social mores and expectations are completely different and so there is a lot more leeway for the characters to be like bad not I don't want to say bad because yeah maybe it is it's like have foibles or have moral moral choices that maybe we couldn't make in modern day right like like for example even stabbing her brother in the back I mean in Mm -hmm. in any I mean obviously there are a lot of scenarios where we would forgive that in a contemporary romance I because he was a really terrible person I mean but Mm -hmm there would be that question of, you know, how does the law respond to that? How do people around her respond to that? Whereas in this fantasy romance, it's just like, well, that was, that was something unexpected, but mm-hmm. all right, you know, yeah. you know, um, it is, you do, you can have characters who do things that I think, and it gives you the freedom to, to imagine what truly is, you know, what is right and what is not right. Because we do have, you know, the social expectations and we do have different laws that we have to, you know, follow. And yet there are things that, you know, you can't, lines you can't cross even in fantasy. Like, like for example, I, I don't know if this needs like a trigger warning, but y'all just mentioned like pedophilia or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I could never write a character who was and excuse it in any way he would be you know his head would be chopped off there'd be no way um you know the one of the base laws within this world is that rape is not allowed it's not just not a it's a law but it's like a law established by god so Mm -hmm. it's like right there 
you know, no rape. There's no, there's no question yeah. and here. Like, of, and like, I, I liked that it was like enforced too. Like it wasn't just mm-hmm. on like scripture where people were like, oh, it was like the gods were very present in the story. So it was like, mm-hmm. this is a real thing and you will have real consequences as to mm-hmm. breaking. Yeah. But on the other hand, like murder, you know, I would say that a character who murdered someone who was innocent was a bad person, whereas a character, so you can't like, go around randomly murdering people, then you're a bad person. But if you murder bad people, then you know, you're the hero. So you're the hero. it works out. You're always the hero if you murder bad people. I mean, that's just <laughs> no. history. That's just <laughs> And, you know, in, in current literature, you'd be Dexter, I guess. Oh, my <laughs> so. God. We just talked about Dexter the other day. I loved that show so much. I Seasons one through three. I mean, just A, a plus television. But we digress. We digress <laughs> from the book. Um, I, like, wonder, as you've now been, because it's been 10 years, 12 years. Am I making up the timeline? How long have you been writing full time? Oh, since 2005. So I guess 15 years 15 complete. Years, okay. mm-hmm. um, have you found that as, as the time has gone through that you kind of like hit a stride at some point where you were like, oh, I've written a couple books now. I am like maybe a little bit more confident in your sort of process or do you feel like it's kind of just you, you knew right away how it was going to go? I think I'm more confident in the writing and the books themselves like like I look back at you know the early books I wrote and I'm like oh there's so much I would I mean it's not necessarily I would change like the bigger aspects of the books but like the writing the the not the world building but the way that I present the world building so I think my process has I I, I think I'm more confident in my process yeah Mm -hmm. but as for like it doesn't get any easier for me. Like there are some things I can write, you know, that are very easy, you know, like novellas or if I change my voice and write something else, um, these things are, you know, I can snap them out very, very quickly. But like, for example, the Barbarian books, I mean, like this one, I mean, obviously it's been an odd year, but I mean, it's taken me more than a year to write. So I wouldn't necessarily say that my it's easier in terms of writing I am more confident in terms of being able to look at my book and say no this is where I need to change it or or I know this is crazy but I'm going to keep it you know being more confident in the work itself and what I want to say have you been working with like one editor or or one team of editors for your whole career or is it different each book one editor yeah Cindy Huang from the beginning so that's awesome I feel like that's also really helpful because like you guys can grow almost grow together in terms of like what feedback works how like what like I'm sure in your mind occasionally you're like oh I already know she's going to have questions about this and I need to flesh that part (laughs) out because she's I already know she's going to be like what is this going on or I already know she's going to say you know xyz or or when she gets your book she already knows like how feedback how you like to have feedback Mm -hmm. you know and Actually, she has like a very, this is one thing I appreciate about Cindy. I mean, maybe maybe people who read my books think, oh, I wish she had a heavier hand, but she has a very light hand in terms of, you know, she'll give her suggestions. But for the most part, the reason why she bought my work in the first place is she really likes my voice. She really likes my ideas. And so she lets me do what I think 
will work. Um, so she will come back, you know, maybe this part of the book could be tightened up a little bit or, um, you know, but I know that if she comes back to me with like a lot of revisions, that, that there's some serious problems there, but that actually hasn't happened in a long time. I think my, my third book was maybe had the most revised one, but I had kind of changed up how I I wrote a little bit on that one. So yeah, I mean, it is nice having that long-term relationship. Uh, obviously like the pandemic threw everything, you know, into a thing, but before that, did you like to write like out in coffee shops or are you someone who needs to be like at home in the quiet? Um, I kind of did uh, both. Like I, I work at home most of the time, but then because it is so solitary, every once in a while I would like go out to the coffee shop because I wouldn't even talk to anybody, but you know, just being around people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it allows, you know, you feel like you're part of society rather than just like hold up in your little little desk all the time. So I would, and so during the pandemic, I did miss that quite a bit of just being able to go out and work and, um, you know, put the headphones on so nobody talks to you. I mean, God forbid anybody talk to you while you're outside, right? <laughs> but yeah, so it was, you know, a difficult adjustment to just working all the time at home yeah I work from home also and I remember the first and like the pandemic was the same as like you have no escape from that aloneness at your own house and I remember the first day that we are allowed to go in LA and we didn't we weren't allowed to go for like ever and we had little kids so we didn't go forever but the first day we ate outside at a restaurant and there were other people without their masks on I mean their tables were all six feet or eight feet away or whatever but I remember just seeing facial expressions and being like, honey, there's people in the world. We're out. We're in public. This is so great. Like, of course, like my one and two year old, I was like, stop doing that. Like, it was like not a restful dinner for me because there's a lot of parenting, mm-hmm. but just the energy of, like you said, like, I don't need to talk to you. I don't need you to talk to me. I just want to see your faces talking. Right. Going across. Feel like I'm a part of that buzz. Was a good time. Do you like to go to like signings and conventions and stuff? You know, I do. I um, I don't necessarily like like author workshops or whatever because a lot of times I'll sit in them and be like, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. Actually, that sounds awful. Like it's the the like I'm bored or something. It's actually more like I I don't have like good auditory retention. So like I'm the I'm the person that you know I have subtitles on everything because. I'm better at reading things. So when people are talking at me, I just, I don't retain anything. So, but I love, absolutely love meeting up with readers and talking to them about my books, other books, whatever. And then um, also it's one of the few times that I get to meet up with uh, friends who I talk to online all the time, you know, the, that core group of author friends. And, and so it is, it always feels like, I always come home exhausted, but it always feels like such a um, like rejuvenating moment when everybody, because my husband's not like a romance reader, you know, he reads, but it's, he doesn't read romance. My daughter, she doesn't read romance. <laughs> I mean, God forbid, right? <laughs> because she's a teenager and God forbid that she does anything that her mom likes. <laughs> um, of course. And so it is, even though there's, I have like, you know, talked to people online quite a bit to actually have that interaction about the genre that we love is a rare thing. So 
to go and talk to people about writing and then to talk to people about the books themselves is always just like this really reinvigorating moment. So I, I love conferences and I hope they start up again. I know, I just saw that another one went virtual and I was like, like we were originally- It's not the same. No, yeah. when we were, I mean, it's, it's like, it's nice in a way cause you get like an access to it, especially like I have a one and three year old. So like, I'm not gonna be able to go on like a Thursday at 5.30 to right. go to a signing. That's just not gonna happen at this point. Um, so that's like a nice aspect is like opens to more people, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's not the same as like being in person and like hugging someone or just like hearing the, the crowd around you. Um, right. We were hoping to start doing like some small live shows and doing like an author interview, like, oh, you're going to be in Chicago. Like, cool. We'll meet you at this bookstore for the mm-hmm. signing you were going to do, but we'll also do a podcast at the same time and kind of do something, some stuff like that. And we were like, yeah, 2021 is our year. And now we're like, wah, wah, 2022, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully next yeah. <laughs> no, that's the way it feels here. Um, I did have the chance to read a lot more books, though, I guess. So maybe that's. Yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, like I imagine that's everybody, though. They're like, I had so much more time. Why didn't I do this thing? I feel like I should have read more, but I just, it just, actually, I mean, it wasn't that I didn't read, it was that I wasn't reading like the newer stuff I mm-hmm. I do feel like you know at some point I'm like I'm gonna turn in this book and then I'm going to just like take a month and do nothing but read what everybody else has been reading for a while because mm-hmm. it, I guess I do feel like you know you have to catch up every once in a while but then but then this is also isn't like the first time I can't necessarily blame it on, on the pandemic either it's more like I will have times when I go away from romance for like a year and I just read like horror or thrillers um, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever else. It's, mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, it goes in cycles where you kind of get all you can out of one genre and then you go to the next because you then you're like, oh yeah, I, I really miss this. I, I love this. I am so glad I came back to it. Yeah, me and Jane just did a mini series on a young adult um, trilogy and I was like, oh, just straight fantasy with like, some innocent like I mean not so innocent because there was a lot of like mayhem (laughs) but like more innocent in the sense that it's like the whole goal of the book isn't the happily ever after it's that's like more of a byproduct of the story um so that was fun to kind of like as you said like dip into a different genre get a different vibe and a different Mm -hmm. storytelling flow which is fun it's good to cleanse the palate every once in a while right well this has been so fun if you're gonna have one book I mean, aside from the trilogy that we already talked about on the podcast, which our listeners know about, if you had one book that you feel like would be the one for them to start with, Mm -hmm. um, which book would you recommend or which series would you recommend? Oh, you mean like as Mel Jean Brooke? Mm -hmm. I would say, like I said, you know, my early books, I look at them, I'm like, uh, (laughs) so I would say probably if you like steampunk, then the Iron Duke. And um, although I would, you know, tell readers that that hero is kind of more like the alpha hole type hero Mm -hmm. I don't really write a lot of alpha holes but um that one just fit I mean he was kind of like a a throwback pirate character to like old bodice ripper type of romances Mm -hmm. but a lot of people read the Kraken King it's the fourth book in the series but they come to it you know 
naked or whatever <laughs> how do you say that you come to it like i mean it's a one maybe they do come naked we don't know we don't know we don't know what readers are doing without having read any of the others <laughs> come to it naked so even if you haven't even if you haven't read the other ones you know i think that's probably a good one to start with the kraken king because you've got more especially especially if you like the heroes who are a little bit more not beta because he is very physical and everything but um, yeah, I think that's a, probably a good one to start with, and it's probably my best well-known book, or like the best reviewed book. Like people just like that one for some reason. I won't say for some reason. I I know why I like it too, but you know, it's the book that seems to that most people can agree with that they like. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking. Now that you've done it, do you feel more relaxed, a little relieved? Wasn't so bad. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I'm just honestly my my cat is over there like he's trying to rip the blinds off my window because I had lowered it so it wouldn't have that glare on the screen, and so I've been I've been waiting for like a cat disaster this entire time so maybe that kind of maybe that kind of like helped easy it yeah. <laughs> my own nervousness. No, I had a good time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, dear listeners, we'll drop all those links to her books in the bio so you can read it. And until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. I'll see you next time. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.